welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from Sarah Taylor, Assistant Director of Communication and Studio Wesley at Campus to City Wesley Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, For those of you who don't know me, which most of you probably do, but you might not, um, I'm Sarah. I am our assistant director of communication and Studio Wesley. So usually I'm uh, posting photos or taking photos or doing other social media things or coordinating content or planning something um, as well as a myriad of other activities. Um, But occasionally I wind up here talking. Um, I don't know about y'all, but... I have loved Derek's messages the last couple weeks. They've been so illuminating and really, I think, relevant for this time, um, particularly as we come up on the one-year anniversary of a lot of social justice movements in relation to Black Lives Matter and also a year of COVID and all those things. I think they're very timely and relevant. Um, and Derek's been focusing a lot on, like, ourselves and community and whatnot, but I'm actually going to shift us this week and we're going to talk about creation and repairing the distance between us and creation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my thesis because I want you to know where we're going um, in this. I think that's going to be really helpful for our conversation tonight. So my general thesis is just as we are called to care for and love one another, we are called to care for and love all of creation. And that includes the birds, the trees, the sky, the water, um, all of those things. And whenever we care for those things, we're actually caring for each other as well. I think environmental justice and justice for all of humankind are linked inextricably and so perfectly. You cannot separate them. But, you know, that's a big jump, I think, to get to for some of us. So how did I get here? How did I cross the distance in those arguments? Um, Well, first, I think I'm going to talk about the distance that does exist. I think we have to recognize the distance before we can cross it. So first things first, um, climate change is real. Like, carbon emissions are higher than ever. 2020 is tied with 2016 for the hottest year on record. Um, extreme weather events like we've seen in the last few months become more and more common. Sea levels are rising. Koalas are functionally extinct due to wildfires in Australia last year. We might have forgotten that, but that's awful and terrifying. We're trying to keep bees around so that we have pollen, so that we can grow food, so that we can all survive. Um, There is a literal ton of garbage, actually tons of garbage, like sitting in landfills across the world. And there's this thing called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which um, Austin Davis actually first told me about at a retreat quite a few years ago, I believe. Um, Basically, it's this giant garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean that no one really takes responsibility for because it's like just too far off the coast of the US and Japan. And so we just have a giant mountain of garbage. Um, of waste that we as people have put out into the world. And no one wants to take responsibility for cleaning it up, so that's always a good time. Not really. Um, I think the thing we do need to be aware of whenever we start talking about climate change is that this is not just a single person problem, right? This is an all of us problem. This is something we have all created and actually has fed into a lot of isms. 
and is fed by isms. You know, we, we have um, issues of classism, right? I know, me talking about class, who would have thought? Um, if you know me, you know, you know I talk about that a lot. So if you don't know me, that's why that was there. Um, but on one hand, we have people who are incredibly rich and powerful, who have the opportunities to fly in private jets and go on all these extravagant trips and do all these things that actually put a lot more um, carbon emissions and pollution out into the world, right? And so we need to hold them accountable as well as big corporations that are doing those things who are not practicing ethical, sustainable um, creation and production. However, it also becomes a thing whenever natural disasters happen and whenever policy is made, right? Um, we think about Hurricane Katrina, for example. Um, the groups that were disproportionately affected didn't return, weren't able to return, are still struggling, were people in low-income communities. They struggled to get resources and help. They struggled to evacuate and get out, um, and they struggled to come back. Those communities also tend to be predominantly um, communities of people of color, specifically black communities. So environmental justice is also about racism and classism because policy affects people. Environmental policy affects people. It affects their justice and their ability to live and thrive. Um, it also then affects housing. Like we just said, there are issues of housing because of Hurricane Katrina, because of the environmental policy that was in place that disproportionately affected low-income and minority communities. Um, I was actually scrolling through Instagram this morning, and I saw a post for International Women's Day, because that was yesterday um, when we were recording this. That was, we're recording on Tuesday. International Women's Day was Monday. You're seeing this on Sunday. Timelines. Um, but they were talking about hunger and how, I'm just going to give you the statistics actually, um, women and girls are disproportionately affected by hunger, but they are also uniquely positioned to help fight it. Here are a few things you may not know. In nearly two thirds of the world's countries, women are more likely than men to suffer from hunger and food insecurity. Young women raising families are 25% more likely than men to live in extreme poverty. 80% um, of people who are displaced by climate change are women right? Climate change displaces people and affects housing and then access to healthcare and then safe work environments and all of these things. And in many low-income countries, women and farmers, women farmers comprise more than half of the agricultural labor. And then whenever women do get to participate in household decisions, um, it raises family income by as much as 20%, right? So if climate change impacts women's ability to have access to housing and their access to work in a negative way. But if women are involved in those things, it benefits humanity in a positive way. That means that climate change and environmental justice are issues related to sexism, classism, racial disparities, all of those things. It all connects, right? It affects access to healthcare and like general well-being. Um, it also has impacts on how we deal with indigenous justice, right? Whenever we, um, and when I say we, I'm thinking of people of 
white European descent like myself went to other countries, colonized them, and completely disrupted ecosystems and traditions of indigenous people who valued the earth and respected the earth and used it responsibly in the name of progress, right? We did those things. And so whenever we continue to do violence to the earth, we are continuing to do violence to those communities. Um, Cori Bush, actually, who's a Missouri Congresswoman, said it really well in a tweet, just very simply. Environmental justice is housing justice. Environmental justice is health justice. Environmental justice is climate justice. Environmental justice is indigenous justice. Environmental justice is racial justice. And so when we participate in creation care, which is a biblical way of saying environmental justice, right? then we're not only caring for the world, a world that actually God called us to steward. In Genesis 2.15, the first instructions given to humankind are to work and work the Garden of Eden and to care for it. That is God's first request, to love and care for this garden, this earth that God, that she, that he, that they, whatever pronouns you use for God, created. And that is our first commandment. And so we, when we step away from that, we are stepping away from the beginning, right? What was asked of us. And in Amos um, 5.24, there is this script verse, and the phrasing is, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I don't think these connections to the earth are just by happenstance, I think they're meaningful. I think it's to remind us that our call to justice for all people is connected to our call to justice for the environment and to the world. Um, and so going to our passage from tonight, because I know that maybe for some of y'all, that was a lot of me talking social justice, Sarah, and you're like, Sarah, get to the Bible portion, get to the scripture. We read Colossians and you've said nothing about Colossians. We're here. We made it. We arrived. Um, in Colossians 1, and I'm going to specifically zero one on verses 16 and 17 right now. It says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Studio Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. We recently released a brand new podcast series, Queer Roots in Black Spirituality, which highlights the stories of Black, queer, young adults of faith. To listen, visit www.studiowesley.org slash queer-roots-and-black-spirituality or search for Queer Roots and Black Spirituality wherever podcasts are streamed. Y'all, that line. In him, all things hold together. God is in 
all things. God is in the earth. The earth is God. The earth is where God is and where God dwells. All things are held together in God. So when we don't care for the earth, I have to ask, are we choosing to not care for and honor and love and respect and fear God? Whenever we, for example, and I'm going to say this and it is kind of a hypocritical thing for me to say wearing an outfit that I think came entirely from Target, right? When we consume fast fashion, what does that say about how we're caring for God? When we wear clothing that comes from materials that were not ethically sourced and are destroying environments, and then were made in conditions that were inhumane and unethical and people were not treated fairly and paid fairly and then were shipped thousands of miles on planes and boats and trains and trucks that put pollution out into the air only for us to buy them at a store that probably underpays and overworks its workers to wear something a few times and then have to throw it out because it had a hole in it. What does that say about the distance between us and this earth that God made, that God is? What does that say about our call to live into the new creation and to bring heaven on earth? That, that is the question that I wound up asking as I dug into this scripture. What, what does that mean? What does it mean for the way we treat this earth if our first instruction was to care for it because it is God? I think um, John 1 paints this in a really beautiful way as well, and I'm actually going to read it from this lovely book. Um, that Grace Rogers uh, so gracious to let me borrow. It's called Tim Shell. It's not a word-for-word -word translation. It's actually kind of like an ideological thematic translation. And so there aren't specific scripture verses. Um, it's sort of the chunk of First John, or not First John, sorry, John 1, um, 1 through 18, sort of ideologically translated, and I'm just going to read us a section that comes from the first few verses, I think, based on what I could tell, um, but I think it's really powerful and meaningful and really frames this um, beautifully. Christ was with God before the world was set into motion, and through him, everything was made. The totality of all creation, the sun, moon, and stars that light up the sky, the waters that ebb and flow throughout the earth, the dirt, soil, and dust that gave way to humankind, all made in his image, every entity moving forward toward God forever, perfectly in great fullness and completion. Each one was made through the power of Christ, and nothing existing escapes his permission. Everything made is pulsing with Christ's vitality and this energy moving through every living creature guides all creation into the God relationship. Everything in the God relationship. If we saw everything as being in communion with God, if 
we saw everything as sacred, how different would our life be right now? How different would our world look? How different would our values as a culture and a people be? How many more people and places would begin to look like heaven coming on earth? How would that reframe our everyday lives? And so I think through those scriptures, there is a case made that if we are followers of Christ, if we are trying to draw closer to God, then we have to draw close to this practical idea of reconciling the distance between us and creation. I mean, in Colossians 1 again, in verse 20, it talks about um, all things, whether on heaven or on earth, have been reconciled to Christ through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so I think what that means is that just like we are called to care for and love one another, which we talk about a lot, we're called to care for and love all of creation because by caring for and loving all of creation, we care for and love for each other. So how do we do this? How do we love the earth and love our neighbor in tandem, right? So here are my three things. Three things. It's, it's so much bigger than three things, but three things is a good place to start. One, commune with creation, right? Go and touch the dirt, feel the rain falling from the sky, feel the breeze, look at the butterflies landing on the flowers, sit next to a river and look at the tall buildings and the bridges and the cars and the people and look at the great bright sky or the dark sky, depending on what the weather looks like. I think we see time and time again that God wants us to commune with creation, right? He starts us, she starts us, they start us in a garden. And then when Jesus is struggling with the reality of the cross, where does Jesus go? Jesus goes to a garden and prays. And then where is the earth in the resurrection? Where is that moment of reconciliation and resurrection and love returning to us? Where does that happen? In a garden. I think communing with creation is biblical and is the first step to getting in touch with that element of us and care for the world and care for all people, touching the dust from which we came and the dust to which we will return, communing with that reality. Second, I think we ask. I think we ask how we can make a difference. This takes on a variety of ways of asking. I think you can do research. There are so many great online resources. There are so many incredible social media accounts you can follow to get ideas. There are local groups you could connect with. There um, are leaders you can talk to. I'm sure there are people in CCW who would love to talk to you about the work they're doing to try to care for creation better. I think you can also pray and ask God to illuminate um, what you would do, what God would have you do, the work that God is already doing, how God would have you draw into that. Um, I know for me, I have recently started uh, being like a plant mom. I have a lot of plants. I started growing some basil. I have some succulents. I regrow my green onions. Because fun fact, you can regrow green onions. You just, uh, after you've cut them down, you put them in some water, they regrow. Um, I got a couple other plants. I'm thinking about making myself a small herb garden. Like, and I think that helps in some ways to, you know, not 
support certain aspects of consumerism, but I think it also reminds me continually of that work um, of communing with creation and environmental justice. I am also looking for ways to reduce um, my ecological footprint and to find more products to reuse and not create as much waste. I'm also trying to see what public policy is currently coming through that I should maybe write to a senator about, right? And be like, hey, this is good, right? Because political action often has deep impacts um, on environmental justice because these are systemic issues, right? Um, make a plan, basically. Ask questions, make a plan. And so then you act, right? You act and you stay the course of that action. You write the letter, you start the garden, you commit to not supporting fast fashion, right? You make sustainable swaps. Um, because the thing is, crossing this distance of environmental justice, right? It's a continual way of being. Crossing the distance is a continual way of being, not a singular moment of doing. And yes, that takes courage, right? And that's a lot of moments of courage over and over and over again. But friends, we have to care for this earth if we are going to care for each other, if we are going to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to recognize that while our neighbor is people, it is also plants and animals and all that is around us. And so I hope that you would consider those three things, the communing, the asking, the acting, and you would find ways in the coming weeks and days, and I would love to talk to you about this. I'd love to hear about it. Um, but I would love to hear how you are making environmental justice and creation care a part of your everyday life so that we can repair the distance between us and creation for the sake of the world and righteousness and the oaks of righteousness that we are and are becoming. Thanks, friends. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley. 